So we are in the heart of a series called Heroes, which is about uh, heroes, coincidentally, and uh, which Chris started a few weeks ago. Now let me start by saying that uh, with my absolutely beautiful daughter just turning two months old, I've got to say that every single parent in this room is a hero to me. Uh, you are amazing. Um, and you're all sitting there, yeah, yeah I know I am. Uh, you've got so much to teach me, guys, and uh, mainly, uh, which is, when am I supposed to sleep during this? Uh, if anyone has any wise advice, please just come and offer it to me, because it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing, but boy, is it, is it a hero, hero's challenge. Um, anyway, on the series, the Bible says that the godly people in the land are my true heroes. That is, as Chris explained a few weeks ago, those who know that God has saved them. They are people of faith. And secondly, those who are serving and following God, they are people of action. They are people of faith and they are people of action. These are the godly people of the land. They're my true heroes, God says. Let me give an example uh, of a hero of mine that comes to this church, uh, Katie Dixon. Just out of interest, is she in the church at the moment? She is secretly, like, missed my talk. Anyway, Katie works as a, as a city banker, so she is, she is very busy uh, just constantly doing that in, in the city, and uh, yet she still manages to find time to lead a life group and do various other things. She is an amazing, beautiful, godly woman, and you know, just to meet her and chat to her, you're, you're in for a treat. But she's also someone who's got a heart of compassion. <clears throat> she really wants to see God do things in people's lives. And so recently she came up with this idea of, um, of gathering her colleagues for like a kind of team afternoon uh, and going and building a garden for a local school. Now, amongst the other challenges that she faced, one of the difficulties she had was is about sourcing garden equipment. And she was having a chat with, um, well, actually, before that, she, she, she prayed about it. She was really worried about it, but God said, do not worry. So she said, okay, it's over to you. So a couple of days later, she was chatting to her MD of, uh, of her department, and her MD really got caught up on the idea of this garden project. And so she literally just gave Katie the money out of her own pocket to go and buy these tools. Now, not only that does, does it mean that <clears throat> the garden got built by Katie and her team, but also they got to keep hold of the tools so they can maintain the garden going forward. I mean, it was an incredible blessing, but all this took place, you know, the, the team was gathered, the garden was built, all because Katie stepped out in faith and in action and trusted God. I mean, that to me is a true hero, what an incredible story. Now, the truth is that most of us want to do something good, whether it's as simple as having a conversation with someone about God or praying for a stranger. Or whether it's something bigger like, you know, starting a life group or, um, or, or like Katie did, convincing a bunch of colleagues to gather together and, and build a garden for a local school. But maybe you're a little bit like me. Maybe along the way, you know, you get this idea and it's a fantastic idea and you would love to see it happen. But then all of those reasons why you're not the person to do it rise up. You know, maybe you're not confident enough. You don't know enough. You're too busy with time or um, with work or whatever it is. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get this idea, and, and I love to do it, but I'm suddenly overcome with this idea of fear, that I'm not the right person, the fear of failure, the fear of losing something, the fear of looking silly. And my question I want to tackle today, and I want to put on our hearts and, and, and look to answer, is how do we overcome that fear that can hold us back from doing something that's good? And this is where my hero of today, Gideon, 
steps in. <clears throat> now here's someone, if you know the story, faced fear on a daily basis and yet still managed to achieve something really good. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to um, uh, Judges 6. Uh, we'll be reading a lot of scripture, so if you haven't got your Bibles, it will come up on the screen. If you haven't got a Bible altogether, we'd love to give you one. Just grab one from the welcome desk on the way out. Okay, so a bit of background for you. If you remember Dennis's talk a few weeks ago on Deborah and Barak, this is just 25 years later. There's not been a huge gap. However, in that time, people have, you know, they've got comfortable with their lives and they've just said, okay, God, we don't need you anymore. And so God left them alone. As a result, for the last seven years, they have been suffering at the hands of a cruel enemy called the Midianites. Now, these guys were horrible. They would come along and um, they would come stand at a distance and wait for the Israelites to, to think that everything's going to be okay. And then right at the last minute when Israel were planting crops and uh, thinking that it's all going to be good, uh, Midianites would sweep in and just destroy everything, leaving them absolutely nothing to see. Now, at that time, people were so afraid that they just kept their heads down. They would just work and work and work and, uh, and not want to look up just for fear of the, the worst-case scenario that they may lose everything. You know, sleepless nights were common and worries filled most conversations. Now we start the story of Gideon in a, in a wine press. Now he's, he's here, he's threshing out wheat. Now really and truly he should be doing this up on a mountain nice and high where wind blows and it can, it can clear the, the excess, the shaft away and that he's able to be effective. But actually he's in, this, in the wine press which is kind of underground, which is kind of hiding in just so no one will see him. He's cowering in a place of fear. Now, as he's doing this, the angel of the Lord, who some people uh, think that maybe Jesus himself, came and sat down under a tree. Let's start reading the verse 12. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon completely ignores that bit. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? I mean, talk about depression, but this reaction from Gideon sounds really familiar to me. But if the Lord is really here, if God is really with us, then why is my, diff my job so uncertain? Why do I have no money? Why are we arguing so much at home? Why does God feel so distant if God is really with us? Gideon is immediately filled with fear in the form of doubt, the inability to trust or believe that God is going to do something. And given his current circumstances, why should he? You know, I don't know if you guys read in the newspaper this morning, um, uh, the England football team yesterday visited uh, an orphanage in Ukraine. And uh, there was this great quote in the, in the newspaper. It said, um, you know, it's heartbreaking to see their sad little faces with no hope said Victor, age six. <laughs> I like that one. So um, the same doubt we have for our English football team tonight as we watch them, and truth be told, is it, it feels like that same doubt we have when, when God says, I am with you, and yet it feels like things are just going wrong all over the place. But since God is making a point, he persists. Verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. 
but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. You know, it's one thing to hear God say, I am with you. So hear some encouraging word like that, to come and get prayer and listen to words. That's one thing. But it's another thing when you get an idea, you get a prompt, you get something you would love to do, a desire you'd love to see happen, but yet it just doesn't feel right. You're not the right person. You know, whether it's apply for a new job, speak to that person. And so often I have the conversations about, uh, you know, asking someone if they'd be interested in starting a life group. And I know a lot of people are called in this place to do that. But immediately you reply with those things. Oh, no, I don't know enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not confident enough. I'm not the right person. How can I save Israel? You can start to see that he's doubting in himself now. What do I have to offer? And no offense, but I'm not exactly surrounded by the best people, Gideon says. I don't have anything to give, no experience, no wisdom. And that's when God gives Gideon the key to understanding, the the key to overcoming fear, the key that we need to hold on to and understand. God says, go in the strength you have. Now, when I first read that, I thought, okay, I could do that. But then I thought about it, and I thought, does that mean that I have to go out and do whatever it is that I feel like you're calling me to? Uh, and somewhere along the way, probably towards the end, God, you're going to jump in and, and save the day, and it will all be a great. Now, that is an incredible faith trip. Now, I don't know, maybe some of you guys have that, and you're willing to do that. But I, I kind of need a little bit more assurance along the way. But fortunately, that's not what God's saying. He says this other thing. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And it's clearly good. Gideon doesn't hear it the first time around. He repeats it. Gideon, I will be with you. God is not sending him out empty-handed. He's sending him out, for sure. But he's going with him. Gideon may feel weak. He may feel unconfident and uncertain. But he's definitely not going alone. Let me give you an example of this. We were... um, uh, in the Galleria a couple of weeks ago, I think it was. Uh, great place, wonderful, you should go there. And, um, and we were shopping, uh, and I hate shopping so much. It, it really kills me. And so after like, literally a couple of minutes of Tara going in and out of a couple of shops, uh, I started to feel the life literally drain out of me. I mean, there was nothing left. I was like just kind of walking up <laughs> uh, And I said, Tara, you know, in heroic fashion, I was like, I'm not going to make it. Just go, go without me. So she gladly left, and leaving me and Bella just kind of suffering in the corner somewhere. And suddenly I was suddenly surrounded by all these women that were talking about the wonderful things they had just bought. And for the first time, I just felt hopeless, lost, without cause, without purpose, absolutely no energy. I'm not exaggerating, unfortunately. <laughs> now, you know, Bella was there, I did, I, and she was actually fast asleep herself. And I tried prodding her a couple of times to see if I could wake her up, but she wasn't having it. She was, she was comfortable enough. And then suddenly I saw this guy limp past me and this idea crossed my mind. I thought this is going to be great. I could pray for strangers. I could pray for people to get healed. This is going to be amazing. And then I suddenly thought of the lack of energy that I had. And I honestly, I I felt so drained. I didn't even think I could speak a couple of words out. And I certainly at that point didn't feel holy spiritual like God was with me. And then I remember this verse, go in the strength that you have. I will be with you. 
Anyway, by the time I'd finished this massive internal monologue, the guy with the limp had just disappeared. Um, so I thought, okay, I'm just going to pray for an opportunity to pray for someone. That sounds great, okay. And just trying to timidly looking around and, and hiding from the idea. But then literally, within 10 seconds, someone came up to me. And it was a middle-aged lady, and she handed me a tract. And within seconds, I knew she was a Jehovah's Witness. Now, I'm useless at constructive conversations like that. You know, if you try and ask me a question, I just fall apart, and it all goes wrong. Uh, and exactly the same in those situations. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to go with it, God. You are with me. Uh, and, and just trust and go with the flow. Now, she was quite a new convert, and she was obviously quite keen to, to handle the stuff. And then suddenly she was joined by this, you know, mature, you know, long-lasting uh, Jehovah Witness. And I thought, oh, I'm in trouble here. And so I just engaged in the conversation. And absolute surprise to me, completely unlike I normally am, I started to have this conversation that was actually made sense. And within seconds, again, the, the more experienced lady just tried to escape just as quickly as she came, which I found hilarious. And then I got talking, and all I did, nothing spectacular, no prepared argument, no prepared thought about the process, but I just talked about my God, my Jesus, the, the interactions that I've had with him, what he is like towards me. That's all I talked about. And do you know what? After a few moments, this, this lady who had come to me, prepared answers and everything, suddenly was standing there listening to me and asking me questions about my God. Now, I would love to say that I prayed for her and you know, she became a Christian and everything, but the truth is she got dragged off by the, um, by the other lady. But I went in the strength that I have, which wasn't much at the time. I knew that God was with me, even if I didn't feel like it. And because I made myself available, you know, God impacted someone's life that day. Thank you. Gideon does the same thing. He doesn't feel like God is with him, but this is a prompt. He would love to be real, love to be of God, to save those around him. He doesn't know how he's going to do it. He's riddled with fear, but he takes an incredibly important step out of that wine press, that place of fear, the hiding place, to see if this is really God. Gideon replied, verse 17, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait for your return. What I love about this, simply put, is God's tremendous patience. As Gideon takes those first few timid steps. Verse 19, Gideon went in, did loads of preparation, brought them out and offered them to him. The angel of the God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. With the tip of the staff that was in his hand, the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread. Fire flared up from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. Just like Gideon, when we take those first few steps and offer ourselves to God, we experience God in a powerful way. We get filled, we experience, we meet with the Holy Spirit that burns inside of us like a consuming fire. That power that tingles through our body is enough to bring you to your knees in realization and revelation that God is incredibly powerful and you are but fragile. Suddenly the fear of God surpasses, is far greater than anything else 
that you can think of. Verse 22. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Ah, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. Just as quickly, that very power that we experience that could crush us is met with this gentle word from God saying, peace. That power is not against you. In fact, it is for you. You know, you're right to be afraid and you have every reason to do it, be so. But you don't have to be. For I love you and I am with you. This is the power I am giving you when I send you out. You know, one of the massive hinges, I guess, for really understanding that is whether or not you've experienced that power. You know, if you have, then brilliant. You have already what it takes to overcome fear and doubt and all those things in your life. All you need to do is is hold fast to those words that God says, the Lord is with you, that power is with you, mighty warrior. Go in the strength that you have. But you know, if you haven't experienced this power, if you are still taking steps to find out who God is, if you're someone who's come from a bit of a broken background and actually you're already riddled with so much fear that it's hard to step anywhere further beyond than, than Jesus, I need you to heal me. Then I completely and totally and utterly understand why you would still be carrying that fear. This power, this perfect love casts out all fear. This, this idea that God is, is, this incredible power that is against us was the power that struck Jesus on the cross. But it's also the power that rose him from the dead. And today it's that power that hovers over you, waiting to fill you. As that word said, uh, thank you for sharing that earlier. You know, today could be the day you take take a step like Gideon out of that hiding place, out of that place of fear, where you've just got your head down and you're working hard, hoping things are going to be okay. And you can take that step out of it. And as always, as I said, after the end of this talk, we would love to pray for you. In fact, I I have first service as well, and I'll do it second service. I want to be down there joining the ministry team and praying with everyone else because I so believe the power that's in this. Let me expand that slightly. You know, last year, um, this isn't a great story, by the way. Uh, Last year, when Chris and Felicia were on sabbatical, I thought it would be a great thing to do is... is, um, there's something in the community. So I had this idea, you know, we came together with it, about a community carnival. Now, I, I don't know if you remember it, and, and frankly, I hope you don't, because it was a bit of a disaster in the end. It got rained off, and it, was, it just didn't work. And that left me in this incredibly low place where I was like, man, you know, can I really, am I really the right person to be doing this, this kind of thing? And so um, at the same time, God had put on my heart this idea of the discipleship year. And I was looking at that, and I was looking at all the details, and I was looking at what it would take, and I thought, God, have you just seen what I've just done, and and how I've just failed in this? Are you sure that I'm the right person? Are you sure that it's me you want to send into this whole thing? And immediately, I was just overcome with all these fears and doubts, and, uh, and just nothing in me wanted to do it. But I just felt this little prompt. God said, go for it. And you know what? The idea of what it could be won over the, the fear of, what it, of me failing in it. And so I stepped into it. And, 
And six guys stepped forward, each with themselves wrestling with that fear, as, that doubt as to whether this was of God. But they each took a bold step and said, okay, God, just like Gideon did, I'm going to offer you myself. I'm going to give myself to you. See what you can do with it. And so they took those steps. They offered themselves towards God. And now I'm speaking entirely on their behalf. But as we've journeyed together, as we've accomplished a year together, and there's still a little bit more to go, you can see that their lives have been changed. And they've encountered God in a completely different way. As they've started to serve other people in a new way and started to see those lives changed. As they've started to step out of their comfort zones and be filled with that power that is sending them. And now they're currently learning things that are going to set them up for the rest of their lives. You know, for me, these guys, those six guys that stepped into that place, they're heroes to me. They're absolute heroes. They took a bold step out of that place of hiding. They lifted their head out of the hard work that they were doing and they and let God take hold of their lives. And maybe that's you. Maybe that's you today. As I said, you know, apply, read it, ask me questions. But if you're in a place where you're going, okay, God, I want you to have the best of me. And then seriously do consider that. Great thing to do. Anyway, but now let's see what happens with Gideon. So following the prompt, verse 33 uh, onwards. Now all the bad guys joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and and camped in the valley of Jezreel. And the spirit of the Lord came on Gideon and he blew a trumpet, trumpet, summoning all the good guys. You know, the time has come. Fear or no fear, regardless of how Gideon is feeling, he's stepped out there, he's made it public, he's declared it to everyone else, he is committed, he's having to go for this. doesn't matter how he's feeling, the urgency, that desire to do it has, has had to win over. But yet, and this is what I love about the story of Gideon, uh, and as you read the passages in between, it's a bit of a um, fun thing to do when you get home. You can see over and over again, again, it says Gideon was afraid. Gideon was afraid. Even after that incredible power encounter with God, he had what it takes, but he still was holding on to that fear. He was still struggling with that. And that's why he does that famous thing where he tests the, uh, the fleece and the Jew. And, and you may, uh, Jew is in rain, not Jew is in Jewish guy. Uh, the, the Jew, and, and sets it before God and sees what happens. A, a fantastic thing. And whether that was right or not, you know, the amazing thing is that God met him in that place and, and lovingly encouraged him. So he does all this. He gathers everyone together, anyone that would go with him. And, and one morning he wakes up and looks across the army that he's amassed and he sees a, ahead of him 32,000 men. You know, I can imagine Gideon at this point going, yes, it's all working. It's all coming together. God's starting to kick in finally, you know, and that fear is starting to fade away. But God hasn't finished with Gideon yet. The Lord said to Gideon, verse uh, 2, chapter 7, You have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. You know, God can see Gideon starting to go, Yeah, I did this. This is fantastic. And God's like, No, no. You need to know that this is me. Otherwise, you'll fall into that place. So 32,000 men suddenly becomes 10,000 men. And if that wasn't bad enough, 10,000 men soon becomes 300 men. Less than 1% of of the number of men that you started with. You know, I can imagine Gideon at this point looking around him going, 
am I really hearing from God or am I making this up as I go along? This just doesn't seem right. But whether or not he's made a mistake, he was holding on to those words, go in the strength that you have. And he'd come too far now to turn back. Verse 8. Now, the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. During that night, the Lord said to Gideon, get up and go down against the camp, because I am going to give it into your hands. If you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pure and listen to what they are saying. Afterwards, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So they they all went down to the outposts of the camp. The Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the other eastern people had settled in the valley thick as locusts. The camel could no more be counted than the sand and the seashore. You know, I love this. Gideon wakes up at the time when he's least prepared, when the thing that he wants to do, he's so not ready for. And God says, now is the time. God also knows Gideon. He knows his human nature. He knows the nature that's inside of us and says, okay, but if you're afraid, and I know you are, but if you're afraid, I'm going to set up a little bit of encouragement for you. And so Gideon takes a step down towards the task at hand. And as he does that, I'm fairly sure as he's looking over everything that he needs to do, he's not encouraged. But as he draws closer, something happens. Verse 13, Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. Gideon, God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, Get up! The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. This sounds like confirmation. It sounds like God encouraging them. So he's jumping with joy. He doesn't know how it's going to happen, but for the first time ever in Gideon's life, he doesn't feel the fear. It's been a long journey to get to that point, but he's followed God, and now he's at that place where he doesn't feel it. So Gideon divided the 300 men, giving them trumpets and empty jars with torches inside, and told them to surround the camp. Verse 19, Gideon and the 100 men with him reached the edge of the camp, and at the beginning of the middle watch, just as they had changed the guard, they blew their trumpets and broke the jars that were in their hands, and the other guys did the same. Grasping the torches in their left hands and holding in their right hands the trumpets they were to blow, they shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran, crying out as they fled. When the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. After all that fear, after all that worry, after all that doubt, What I love about this is Gideon, all he needed to do was turn up. And God did the rest. I love the simplicity of that. Go in the strength that you have, and I will be with you. Do you know, most of the Midianites died that day, but if you read the next chapter, chapter 8 of the story, you read about a, a now fearless Gideon. One who is, is going you know, way past his fears, way past his doubts. One who, stepped, who, who back in the day stepped out boldly. Despite those fears and doubts. 
believing that God was with him. And then as a result, he started to see God do miracle after miracle and started to achieve so much more than he could ever have dreamed. I'm drawing to a close now, so could the band come back up? But there is just one later part of the story I want to pick up on to round things up. Chapter 7, verse 25. They also captured two of the Midianite leaders, Oreb and Zeb. They killed Oreb at the rob. Rob? They killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb. And Zeb at the wine press of Zeb. You know, this whole story started with one man hiding in fear, but stepping out of that wine press. And it ends, you know, this guy is soaked with fear, but he still doesn't. And it ends with another man climbing into a wine press, hiding in fear. You know, that place of fear, that hiding place, that wine press, if you will. It can be a place of defeat, but it can also be a place of deliverance. You know, we can choose to stay there, we can choose to stay in that place of fear, only to face the inevitable that is death. Or we could choose to take a step out. A step out of that wine press, out of that place of fear. You're sure you may be still soaked in fear, you may be worried, you may have doubts. But taking a step out, just as Gideon did, offering himself before God and starting a journey, which starts with those own powerful words, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Go in the strength you have. I will be with you. Would you guys mind standing? Let's just take a few moments. Please just... If you could just close your eyes, bow your head. This is really between you and God. This is just looking on the inside of your eyelids and knowing that the only other voice in your head is God's. Let me just pray for you. Lord, as we're standing here, as it's just me and you talking to God, The truth is, is that we, me, us, we're a people with needs. Some of us are weak. Some of us feel afraid. Some of us are alone. Some of us have lost our courage. We've discounted ourselves. How could you use us? Those are the questions that are going on our mind. And yet, in a picture of twisted irony, you're sitting beside us calling us mighty warriors. We may not see as you see, Lord God, but we do pray for the courage that that you are offering to us to take that first step out of that wine press, that place of fear, and into the journey that you will set us free from, fear. God, you have called us by name. You have sent us out and you have promised to go with us. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Hear those words where you stand. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. 
one more time. Thinking of those things that you've discounted yourself, that you don't think you can do. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. He will go with you. Come fill this place, Lord Jesus. If that is you, then today is the day that you can take a step out of that place. I'm not going to ask you to do anything now. I want you to have some time with God as we worship. But please, thinking about it now, ready yourself. Come down to my right, my left after the service and get some prayer. But where you are right now as we worship, listen to that God who calls you mighty warrior.